Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. I have lots of scripture for you today, so um, I'm not apologizing for that. I'm just pre-warning you. Um, because Warwick prayed there and Warwick's right in what he said that sometimes we have so many preconceived ideas you know it's um, growing up in uh, a Christian culture that many of us have done um, we do have some pretty preconceived ideas an old mentor of mine said, told me he said Phil and I did this for two years he said you need to read the Bible to unlearn <laughs> you need to read the Bible to unlearn some stuff because we come into it with Loads of stuff, loads of stuff we taught were, we were taught were good, but some of it um, we need to learn it for ourselves. So um, let's pray. We'll get going. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth and the power of it. We say to you this morning, speak, Lord, for your sons and your daughters are listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, we've only got one screen. Our projector broke. We had a board meeting the other night, and I learned that um, to put two new projectors in here is like buying a small car. So um, that's a, another story. So um, welcome Holy Spirit is um, simply the phrase that we're going to be using over the next um, 12 weeks right through to the end of June. And we're going to be talking about some different aspects of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, the person, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit, exploring who he is, elevating his personhood, and uh, honoring the Spirit's deity, and again, hitting maybe some preconceived ideas. We're going to be talking about life in the Spirit, looking at understanding what life in the Holy Spirit really looks like. We'll focus on the um, work of the cross and the work of the Spirit to bring us to redemption and bring out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We'll talk a couple of weeks on the infilling of the Holy Spirit and that exhortation clearing up the misconceptions around the little phrase, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which scares some people off. And then we'll finish off by looking at a biblical stance on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how they should operate in the life of the church. But this week, what I want to do, just to kick us off, I want to talk about who the Holy Spirit really is. Who is this Holy Spirit. And this um, series is coming at a really interesting time leading up to Pentecost um, in the church calendar and a sense that the Holy Spirit wants to pour himself out on the church, not just our church, but on the church, capital C, across the world. And we want to welcome the Holy Spirit afresh into our building. We want to focus on the wrong perceptions. We want to, we want to bring you on a journey, understanding the personality of who he is. If I were to sit down with you on a one-to-one today and ask you what you think the biggest crisis is in the church today, what do you think the biggest problem the church faces today? Some of you would say, well, sexuality is becoming a, a bigger issue than it ever was. Some of you might say there'd be a myriad of answers, actually. Some of you would say, well, racism, maybe not so much in our country, but racism is mad throughout the world sectarianism in our country is a big one. And on and on we could go. And while I don't want to minimize those issues, I do think there are a few more significant ones. I think there's a significant issue around the fear of the Lord today. 
And I think there's a significant issue around who the Lord actually really is. I think some Christians don't actually even understand who God fully is and what it means to be a child of God. And we could have meetings and meetings and meetings about all these other issues, and sometimes we don't talk about these big things that are really, really important. And so if I were to sit down and say, explain a father to me, you could explain the father because you've got a a nursing point to that. We all know what a father is. If I were to get you to explain the son to me, then again, you'd you've something to earth that too. But whenever we go to talk about the Holy Spirit, there's all kinds of different theories. Some people think it's just a cloud. Some people think it's a holy mist. Some people think it's like the weird uncle, Julie. It's like the weird uncle that um, you, you, you sort of... Don't invite him over at Christmas or whatever you do. And um, on and on we could go. So there is some stuff that we really need to learn about the Holy Spirit. George Barna, who uh, is a well-known market researcher um, in America, said this, and this is, this is painful. He said that 60% of Americans who regularly attend Christian church say there is no such thing as the Holy Spirit. They say the Holy Spirit is just a symbol of God's power, presence, or purity. Now, I'd say that's a, that's a pretty average statement of, of figures, 60%. 60% of people who aren't really sure. These are not Easter Sunday and Christmas Day believers. These are church-going believers, all right? That means 60% of the attendees of the American church that George Varna has um, researched are non-Trinitarian. Now, whenever I say Trinitarian, what we believe, we are Trinitarians in our church in Emmanuel. We believe not in oneness, we believe in three. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who are three distinct personalities that are so united as one. Hard for us to understand it in our um, mind, but um, it's important that we do understand it. And so, all... The, the problem here is, like, if, if this is happening in the church today, then my little phrase is, God, help us. But then I have to back that up by saying, he can't really help us. Because if we don't understand the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's the helper. <laughs> so, so he can't really help us unless we actually get the terms with this. And so when we, get the, when we begin to learn and understand the power of the Trinity, understanding the Father, understanding the Son, understanding the Holy Spirit, and understanding the functions of each, then what happens is we have a weaponry, um, a full weaponry to wage war uh, on the kingdom of darkness. And so what I want to do this morning, I want to introduce you to my friend. I want to introduce you to my friend. Some of you might say, oh, Holy Spirit, that's speaking in tongues. Is that, um, is that uh, visions and prophecy and other stuff? No, no, no. That's what he does. That's not who he is. <laughs> All right, he does give some stuff, and we look at that over the period of time. But let's not label him with just things that he gives. Let's look at who he is, all right? Because it's important. I want to talk to you about who he is this morning. So let's start at the very beginning. We don't have to wait to Pentecost to meet him. We can start at the very beginning of the Bible, actually in the first verses of our Bible, and we can meet him. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God, there he was, Spirit, capital S, um, was hovering over the face of the waters. 
where there was chaos, where there was emptiness, where there was darkness, the Spirit's job was he, he, he became something. He became the agent of creation. Well, look at some things that he is. He became the agent of creation. He became that one who would actually begin to turn and form lifelessness and darkness and shapelessness into something. He is God. He is part of the Trinity. He has a role and a function. He is present right throughout the biblical story. He was present at creation as we see. We see him right throughout the Old Testament coming upon certain people and uh, for certain purposes and certain times and all of that. We see him in the life of Jesus. We see him birthing the church. We see him in the ongoing life of the church through the Acts of the Apostles. We see him at the very end of our Bible in the book of Revelation. On and on I could go. And he was central to the life and ministry of Jesus. You'll remember that before Jesus went out into the uh, desert to face temptation by the devil, he was baptized. And when he was baptized, John baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of God came upon him in a physical form and launched him into his ministry. So if Jesus couldn't do ministry without being filled with the Spirit, why in the wide world did we... would would we ever think that we could do it? If Jesus couldn't actually go and meet the devil and wage war against the devil without the infilling of the Holy Spirit, then we could never do it without him. Jesus was zero resistant to the Holy Spirit. He walked around in the fullness of the Spirit. I imagine that Jesus' body was one of the happiest places that the Holy Spirit had to dwell. He was one that Jesus promised us. We look at some of these verses today and the... Um, the Greek word for him is the paraclete, and the word paraclete is where we get our word rescue vessel from, or um, a lifeboat, and it means one that draws alongside. And so he says, I will give you a helper, I will give you a paraclete, one who will draw alongside, one who will go with you, help you carry the load. So a couple of things about him, all right, he's the agent of creation, he is the illuminator of the gospel, all right? This is why we have loads of scriptures this morning, because he's the illuminator of the gospel. Look at this verse in Acts chapter 10, when Peter was still speaking these words. This is Peter in the house of Cornelius. And what has happened up until this point, up until Acts chapter 10, the gospel has just been for the Jews. And Peter preaches to the Jews. He won't take it to the Gentiles. And then he has this vision, and he's up on the roof having a wee doze, and he gets this vision of a sheet coming down out of heaven with all of these unclean animals in it. And God says to him, Peter, arise and eat. This is in the vision. And Peter says, no, 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 God, I couldn't eat what's unclean. And um, then God says to him, Peter, how dare you call unclean what I call clean? And so he gets called to the house of Cornelius, the Gentile house. It says, while he's still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all these um, who heard the word. See that? The Holy Spirit fell upon. We'll look at that in a moment. And those, in the, those of the circumcision, that was the Jews who believed, were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles now also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. I love the terminology around the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures. He fell upon, he poured upon, he rushed upon, he came upon. He is definitely, when you read the Scriptures, he's definitely one of the most active members of the Godhead as far as Scriptures would tell us. And if you're a believer in here this morning, you are one because the Holy Spirit came upon you. 
That's what happened. The Holy Spirit came and filled your life. We use terminology, and I understand that about inviting Jesus into your life. You need to invite Jesus into your heart. Actually, it's not a biblical term. I understand the context of it. I understand why we would do it, and I've done it. I, I, I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. But actually, what happens is we, when we believe with our lips, we confess with our lips, and we believe in our heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, he said, you shall be saved. What happens at that moment is the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit actually steps into your life. We'll look at this a little bit more in a moment. And so it's really important that we understand this. He, 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 the Holy Spirit animates. He lights up our lives. He moves in and begins to clean house. That's what happens. And so that's why... I think, especially in Pentecostalism, we're always looking for a moment. We're always looking for a moment. This is a lifetime. The Holy Spirit works in your life through a lifetime. I've been saved. I, I was saved when I was six. Do the maths. I'm 64 this year. So I've been saved all of my life, really. And um, I'm still in the process. Still in the process of cleaning up my act. The Holy Spirit's still working. And so it's not just a moment. I love those moments. I love those moments when the Holy Spirit comes in a corporate gathering and you sense him and you know him. I love them and I live for them. But you know, it's the day-to-day grind of raising your kids, of going to work, of being a good husband, of being a good wife, of being a good employee, a good employer, on and on I could go. That's the power and work of the Holy Spirit. He moves into our lives and he begins to change our lives from the inside out. He illuminates. That's what he does. Look at this verse. And um, am I still, where am I? Can I go on there? I'm jammed, but you'll help me. John 16, um, he says, I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. This is the words of Jesus, all right? However, when he, he's talking about the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. This is why if the Bible seems a little bit locked to you, this is why I pray that, pray that simple prayer. If you watch my devotions, I pray that every morning. I, that's my prayer. I pray it every day, personally. God, I'm about to read your word. I need the Spirit of God to illuminate it to me. I need the rhema word this morning. Would you unlock it? Your son is left me. And he comes and he begins to unlock. So if the Bible is a little bit locked up to you, he is the spirit of truth that will guide you into all truth. He will, he, he, you need to allow this book to shape your life. You need to allow it to, to form your life. You need the spirits, and to do so, you need the spirits illuminating presence to do it. All right? You could memorize it from now to the cows come home or from now to Jesus comes back would probably be a better analogy. But if you just memorize it, Without the enlightening power of the Holy Spirit. I have a great friend who is an absolute theologian. And he's a cessationist. He doesn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit for today. He believes that all died out um, with the early church. And he, could, he is so intellectual about the Bible. I have, he can run rings around me in the Bible. Him and I have these arguments all the time. Good arguments. We, we're best of friends. Um... But you see, my little thought is that sometimes I, I leave him and I think he knows the book and I think I know the author. He, he knows the words. He, he knows all the theology. 
but he doesn't seem to have a grasp of the author. And there's something about knowing the person of the book. And if we, So if we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate us, then we're in trouble. So not only is the agent of creation, the illuminator of the gospel, he is the manifest power of God, all right? Um, listen to this verse. Again, I'm not making apologies for verses, but these are really important. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, he will, he, he, whatever he hears, he will speak. That's the first thing he'll do. He will tell you about things to come. Second thing, he will glorify me. This is Jesus speaking. This is the third thing. And then he says, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what mine and give it to you. There's a great story in Genesis 24 um, and I haven't time to go into today, but you could read it. Genesis 24 is a story where Abram sends his chief servant across to another country to find a bride for his son Isaac. He puts, gives him 20 camels and he loads the camels with gifts. And he says, now off you go. And he heads across these plains here. Now think of the analogy. The father sends a servant to find a bride for his son. The servant goes to this other country. He comes in a well. He prays just before he comes to the well. He says, if, this, if, the woman, if there's a woman at the well, and she says, I'll, water, I'll draw water for you and for your camels as well. This is like, you know, apparently a, 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 a camel can drink like 20 gallons of water. That's a lot of water. And this woman, there's 20 of these things. So that's a lot of water. That's a lot of dropping the bucket into the well. Um, so that was a big prayer. It wasn't a wee willy-nilly prayer. And so he arrives, and Rebecca um, does exactly that. And, of course, goes home to Laban. And then the rest of the story is that eventually Rebecca decides to go back with him to meet Isaac and to become Isaac's bride. And on the story, if you read the story, what you'll find is um, the servant obviously must talk so much about the son by the time they get back, she feels like she knows him. In verse 24, she spies the man in the distance. Verse 24 of verse 65, sorry, of Genesis 24 says this. Says that she said to the servant, who is that? And she says, that, that's Isaac. That's your husband to be. And I love this. The author, I said, she lighted off her horse. What about that, girls? What about the first time you saw your man that you jumped off the horse and ran to meet him? And here's the deal. Here's the deal. The servant, the Holy Spirit, had talked so much about the son that she, had, she fell in love with him before she ever actually met him. That's the beauty of this. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is what happens. Here's, here's another verse that you probably are waiting for me to put up. You will receive power. He's the manifest power of God. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the world. What Warwick's talking about, the big church serve, is when the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit comes on you and you go out into the community. You're not, you're not ashamed of Jesus. You're not ashamed to wear your T-shirt and say big church serve we're from Emmanuel and the reason we're from Emmanuel is because God loves us and he loves you you're not ashamed of that this is what happens because he's the agent of creation he's the illuminator of the gospel
gospel. He's the power of God, and he's our helper and our guide. I love this one. This is one of my favorites. And let me give you a couple of scriptures around this, and then I have a couple other wee things I want to say to you. All right, John 14 says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. There's the word, all right? That he will abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You are a person who carries the Holy Spirit. If you're born again in here, you are a carrier of the Holy Spirit. Now, and then he goes on, he says that I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. How, how often have you ever felt like an orphan? I remember when my mom died, my dad and mom died two years um, apart. On the way home from the hospital after my mom died, I remember thinking those words, I'm an orphan. I'm an orphan, and I, I was taken to this verse where God says, I will not leave you orphans. And if you're carrying an orphan spirit today, you need to get prayer for that because you are not an orphan. God says, I will not leave you an orphan. Look at this verse. All right, I haven't time to expound on that, but it says, I love this here. It says, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, there was Lucius, there was Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with her at the Tetrarch, and Saul. Listen to this. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Paul and Barnabas. Listen, do you hear that? The Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit said. He speaks. Now separate to me Paul, Saul, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. What we're doing here this morning is supernatural. What we're doing here is supernatural. I believe we're doing what the New Testament church has taught us to do. We come together. We, just like this, this, this group of people, they gathered, they worshiped, they prayed, they fasted, and bam, the Holy Spirit came and guided the church into existence. This is a powerful moment. This is where Paul ventures out and, and, and sees a vision um, to come over to Macedonia instead of going down into Asia. And when he went over into Macedonia, Macedonia, he went down into the southeast corner of Europe. And we're here today because of this scripture, because of Acts 13. We're here today because Paul realized when he was prevented to go to Asia, we would think that the devil stopped us doing that, but he realized the Spirit was saying, I don't want you to go here, I want you to go there. And in the vision, he sees a man beckoning him over at night, the Macedonian call, and over he goes. This is what Packer says about this, and if you, if you read any of Packer's stuff, it's pretty, pretty good. He says this, he says, were it not for the, on this passage that we've just read, he says, were it not for the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be no gospel, no faith, no church, not even Christianity in the world at all. We need the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so as we gather here this morning, I don't really want you to take notes on what I say because what I say is not really that important. I want the Holy Spirit to engulf your soul. I want the Holy Spirit to fill you and flood you, not goosebumps, not warm, fuzzy feelings or tingling, which is wonderful if you get that. And if it happens, it's wonderful. I want Him to guide your life to be a better you. I want him to guide your life to be a better you, to be a better who you are and what you do in every remit of your life. And this is why we're family here. This is why we don't want to build an empire. We want to build community where we love on people and we love on the neighbors and friends that God has placed us in. 
And here's the thing. Here's the thing about this. The Spirit of God comes upon us. We don't have a, a spirit of bondage again to fear. People sitting in this room this morning, listening online, there's loads of people who are riddled with fear and anxiety, and the Spirit of God doesn't give you that. That's the spirit of the world. That's the enemy. You have received a spirit of adoption. You've been adopted into a bigger, better, higher family. Whereas you can cry, Abba. They don't even actually know what Abba means. They say it's the nearest and dearest term to Papa, Daddy. Where a child would come to their father like a kid. You know the way whenever kids are growing up, they think their dad's the best. You know the way in the playground, you, kids think your, your, their dad could beat your dad. My dad could beat your dad with his hand tied behind his back. My dad could just slam dunk your dad. Uh, well, maybe that, that's what I think kids are like. This is what's going on in this passage. It's because I have this intimate relationship with the father. What can the enemy do to me? You're saying, I have such, my dad's stronger than your dad. Doesn't really, it's not really important what you say about me anymore, devil, because I have, I've changed camp, you see. I'm under new management, and I don't care what you threaten. I don't care what you call me. You, you say you're going to kill me? Well, to die is gain. And what you say is not important because there is a, a higher, you, everything that you say, enemy, is buried under the weighty claim of a God who says, this is my boy. This is my child. And so whatever the enemy might be trying to put into your mind today, whatever you think he's trying to say, I had a dream a few nights ago, I'm a dreamer, and I had a dream just a few nights ago, and I dreamt that some of my closest friends, some of you in the room, so I'll not name you, some of my closest friends were accusing me. And I was devastated, and they were bringing accusations against me. Some of my family, too, and they were pointing a finger at me, and they were bringing accusations against me, and I was distressed in the dream. And then I, I sort of laid back in the dream, and I said, God, what do you think about me? What do you think about me, God? Because really it's not important what everybody else thinks about me. What do you think about me? And I hear those words, you are my boy. You need to get some ammunition for yourself. Like, look at this here for a verse. I've come in this lately, and this is one that I put into, I put into the chamber of my gun. This is in my belt. This is, this is waiting for whenever the enemy tries to bring discouragement to me, and he says, Phil, you're not good enough. I'm going to say, hold on a minute. I am a pillar in the temple of God. His name is written on me. I will write on him my new name. Devil, your name's not on me. His name's on me. I'm a pillar in the house of God. This is how you fight your battles. This is what you do when disappointment comes. Whenever I was a teenager, give me a minute or two to tell you this story. I got saved when I was six, and because I got saved so young, I, when I hit my teens, I got riddled with doubt. And it went on for about two and a half years. And it was, I lost weight, I was sick, I couldn't sleep at night, I just felt I wasn't saved. And I was desperate. And I, 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 I never liked school growing up, but I couldn't wait to get to school because it was the only place would take my mind off the doubt that I was going to hell. And I grew up in that sort of environment where the wrath of God was a very scary thing. And so this went on for about two and a half years. And one night in my room, one night in my bed, 
I come in a verse in Hebrews 6, 18. I've never forgot it, that by two immutable things, by God's oath and covenant, it's impossible for God to lie. And I, I read that verse, and I thought... I thought this, and I'd heard my mom say this often. An old preacher had said to me, you know, you'd, uh, you, know you, you, you just come into the room and we'll pray and we'll tell God he's a liar. And I remember saying, no, 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 I'm not saying God's telling lies. Well, he says, the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And you said you've done that and you're not saved. So somebody's telling lies. And that was sort of going on in my head. And I, I read this verse, all who call upon the name of the Lord be saved. Three times over. And then I read this, Hebrews 6, 18. And I lay back in the bed. I took my Bible like this. I turned it upside down and I pushed it under my bed so the devil could read it from the bottom up because he's down there. And, um, and I pushed it under my bed and I said, I said, devil, all who call upon the name of the Lord be saved. I've done that and I'm saved and you can stuff this in your pipe and smoke it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, 50 years have come and gone I've never had a doubt. Talking about spiritual warfare, I didn't even know what it meant. But that's spiritual warfare. That's knowing what to do, how to say it, and um, understanding that. Listen, last verse. Stephen, you want to come up? And Amber, I want us to sing. This verse here was a verse that I grew up thinking was about smoking or drinking. Anybody else feel that? Anybody else ever got quoted that verse about smoking? Not that I've never smoked, by the way. I've done loads of bad things, but I haven't smoked. Um, <clears throat> Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? It's a very powerful verse. But to give it to secondhand smoke and eating an axe or donut, come on. I think, it, I think there's more meaning in it than that. Now, I'm all into looking after your body. I'm all into that, and I'm, you can see how fit I look. And, um, but in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, what happened was there was a holy place that the high priest could only go into once a year. That was where the presence of God was, right? Now, get this. You need to grab this. And the high priest would go in there once a year, and he would atone for the sins of the people. They had been sacrificing all year round. This one was for the sins they'd forgotten about. This was for sins done in ignorance. And he would go in there and, and he would do that once a year. And he would come out and they would all applaud that once again God had accepted their, their, their offering. That veil, that veil when Jesus died on the cross was rent from the top to the bottom. And God could come out and we could go in. And once, once that happened, now what happens, there is no building made with hands where God dwells. You become the convergent place where heaven and earth meets. So the moment you get saved, you don't have to go to Jerusalem. It's a great place and you can come with me and mow anytime you want. Um, but you don't have to go to Jerusalem to visit a tabernacle or a temple to find the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. This is what this verse means. Let's not give it to secondhand smoke or to a donut, all right? This is what this verse means. This verse means that you now are a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God. You don't belong to yourself. You have given yourself over to new management. The Holy Spirit lives within you. That's who He is. And if we can understand that and start leaning to it in the Scripture and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and to help us, something so powerful begins to happen. This is like, this is like, I love us to, I love us to say it now, but this is like 
kids jumping into a pool. If ever you've reared kids and went, took them to the swimming pool. Remember I took my kids to the swimming pool the first time and I stood in the water and tried to encourage them to jump and they were a bit fearful and they went back and then they came forward and then they went back. That was until Debbie came along. Remember the first time bringing Debbie to, to the swimming pool and I lost her for a few seconds. Next thing she's on the top board. Top board. Look at me, Daddy. And I'm going, like, you know, it's like my phone last week. It's like slow-mo. No. And off she goes. Down into the water. Up she comes. Splurting water out everywhere. Out her nose, out her ears, out everywhere. But a big smile. This is what God wants you to do this morning. He wants you just to jump in. Do me a favor, will you? If you're okay with this. Clench your fist. Clench your fist as tight as you can till you go white knuckled. You know when you hold it really, really tight and you go white knuckled? Can I say to you, that's the way most of you are living your lives at the minute. You're just living like it's tight. Feels like you're on your last nerve at times. Now what I want you to do is just open your hands. Just open your hands like that. How good does that feel? How good does that feel? That's what God wants you to do this morning. So we're going to sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. If you want to stand, you can. And I want want us to do it as a closing prayer, all right? Our time's just about gone, but let's do this, all right? A couple of minutes. um, I'll not labor it. And I'd love you to sing it like, um, just look at me one tick before you close your eyes. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. (laughs) Not just here. Not just corporately, but here here this morning, fresh and new, a fresh understanding of who he is, a fresh understanding and of the power and magnitude of what is in you, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are this, you are that tabernacle in the Old Testament. You're that temple in the New Testament. You are that place now. You are that, you are that indwelling place. You are the place of convergence. You are the place where heaven and earth meet, comes and lives within every believer. How cool is that? So let's sing this at our closing prayer and um, then I'll pray for us. Thanks, Amber. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare your Tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. In your presence,
time, our time is really well gone. Sorry, I've kept you a little bit, but just felt this was really important this morning because the Spirit hasn't given us anxiety and a bondage to fear. He's given us life and life to the full. And um, the enemy comes to discourage, and, and he does that. And we all can feel that. I know we can all feel that at times. If you were to write a letter to me and tell me how you're disappointed in me, I could match it 10 times over and how I'm disappointed by myself at times. But I'm his kid. I'm his boy. You're his boy. You're his girl. And he loves you. And he's poured his spirit upon you. And you are the convergent space between heaven and earth that contains the power of God in jars of clay holding the very power of God. So God, I pray a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit upon everybody in this room today. In Jesus' name. If you've got kids, I'd love you to go. We're way, way past time. I, I'm going to ask the guys if they'd sing this again. If you've got kids, please go get them. If you want to sit in the space a moment or two, I just feel I need this song again, all right? Um, but please grab the kids, uh, relieve the kids' work. Let them get a break for a moment or two. And um, if you want to just listen to this song again, would, would you mind doing that again? Because um, I think I need it, all right? So let's, let's do it. Bless, bless you all. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.